recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so, uh, performance of the night went to Cain uh, Velasquez's knee, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lack of performance of the night. Yeah. Uh, poor, I he took out Cain Velasquez, though. I mean, the, the knee just taking him down. <laughs> He's uh, I think, he got, I, really I think the knee got fight of the night bonus. He did. He <laughs> walked away at 50 grand. Congratulations to Cain Velasquez's knee. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. Uh, Terrible. Welcome. I'm so sad, you know, to see the end of a, of, a, of a real promising and, of course, champion. He was a champion, but a person who could have made him, himself into the Hall of Fame. You know, Cain had tremendous skills, heart. Work ethic, um, but you know sometimes we talk about fighters how they they can be very self destructive. And in Kane's career, he's he worked too hard and he worked too unscientifically, especially when it came to weight training, mm. and um, destroyed his body and destroyed his ability to compete. And there, you know, um, it's just really sad, really sad. I was always a Kane Velasquez fan. I mean, I, he had problems with technique, and I think he made sometimes technical decisions that were not always the best, but. Uh, Got to respect the guy, and it's really sad to see him go, especially you know because especially the weight the weight class is not that competitive to begin with. You know, it doesn't have so many great guys. Now, uh, do you think this is this is we we're seeing him go, or is this just another like is he going to get another fight? I feel like they should give him one more fight and have it be like an easy win, so he can go out on a win. Yeah, like have know. him fight against like a new person or something. Yeah, I mean he could be he could be a gatekeeper, but when your knee goes that badly, and you know it, the thing is, so the fight for the listeners we're talking about is Nagano and um, and Velasquez, and it was last night, and you know I was really looking forward to Cain Velasquez trying to shoot on him, and he came out very very herky jerky. So I think even even before the injury, it was injured. You know, like it was a hundred percent. It mm-hmm. he came out very herky jerky and weird pressed him in a way that was not tactical. And I think this happened to me a couple times in, in my career. It's like when you're not confident in your body, you, you're you not in the zone and you do stupid stuff. You just mm-hmm. do stupid because you're like, whoa, I'm injured. Crap, crap, panic. Whoa. And even if it's unconscious, he came out very undisciplined. His hands were very undisciplined um, through kind of a weird kick that really looked not well thrown, not well placed. And... Um, he started trying to engage the distance, and then he just got shellacked. And his knee gave out. He took punches, but before his knee gave out, he just took punches. And then his knee gave out, and his knee gave out so badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It was just, it was just looked like he'd never trained in his life almost. And that's sad to say is someone I respect so much to, to look so poor. Um, and his knee's given out before. I mean, um, was a fight on on Fox many years ago. His knee gave out, and he lost the fight. Um, was his knee, you think, injured? And he just pushed through, and he said, "Well, I'll make it through the fight." And he, like he's saying, he was a hundred percent. But he does something. Does an injury like that sneak up on you that quick, or did he already know that there was a potential? Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, and that's that's a really good question. I would say. And this this goes for every fight out there. So, you know, because when we talk about these fights, and I want my listeners to listen to this, I don't want it to just be, hey, this is what happened in the fight. Let's learn something from this. Let's make sure that we can see the mistakes of other people or, or, or the successes of other people and, and apply them to our own game. And I think this is particularly true 
of guys who've been in the game a long time, myself included, uh, whether it's Muay Thai, whether it's wrestling, especially wrestling, especially wrestling, whether it's Jiu-Jitsu, you develop these like everyday pains that don't stop. And you just turn them, turn that pain off. And you just like, oh, that, that, that becomes the norm. That becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went to the doctor recently to, to get some checkup. And he's like, do you feel any pain? I'm like, what are you talking about? That's, mm-hmm. You can't ask me that question because I turn pain off in my brain. That's what it means to be a fighter. So sometimes it's really important to try to listen to your body but also – Get objective results. Like, go to the physician. Hey, I'm having this. Or physical therapist. I'm so glad that we have Dr. Steve Sundaraj. You know, we, he was on the podcast. He's at our academy. And so I always have him look at something. You know, what do you think about this? This feels off. You know, if there's – some of my students don't complain about injuries, but they, com- they they don't move right. They're not moving right. So I'm like, go see Steve. And look, look, lo and behold, there's an injury. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know it themselves. But I can see as an outsider they're not moving correctly. So I think with Kane, what you felt is the guy's like, I'm 100%, yeah, because he's so mentally strong mm. that he is denying the pain that he – or he just lives with a certain level of pain that never goes away. And um, and you push through and you're trying to be a warrior. And there's always balance in life is important. Obviously, we're striving to be best versions of ourselves, which includes a certain level of toughness and grit and ability to withstand pain. And that's really important. But at the same time, you have to have the yin and the yang. You have to go to the other side and say, wait a minute. I also need to take care of my body and understand that this vessel is the thing that's going to take me through my life. And I don't want to wind up like Dan Gable. Do you know what Dan Gable is? No. He's one of the most successful wrestlers that America's ever produced. He went um, almost undefeated his high school, his high school college career. He's just amazing, amazing I icon. I thought the most successful wrestler was uh, Nathan Hunter. <laughs> Your brother-in-law. Shout out to Nathan. Hey, yeah, no, shout out to Nathan, who's awesome. Um, I hope he's listening. Yeah, he does know? every uh, week. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, um, we should have him back on the podcast. Sometime. I would love to. He's meet. great. That was a great one. So um, no, but he he and he's also a trainer of champions. You know, he destroyed his body so much that he can't walk properly without a walker now. And and he's not that old. He but it's got to be in the sixties or seventies. But to be your body to be so worn down, your hips to be so destroyed that you can't even do anything. It's um, it's it's a fighter's lifestyle, but it's not a martial arts lifestyle. Do you see what I'm saying? So martial arts comes from the idea of self preservation, self preservation, self protection. You learn to defend yourself to protect your clan. Prize fighting is. I'm or or, or co- a, a co- competitive sports, um, whether it's wrestling or judo or anything like this, is I'm gonna push and do what I got to do to get that gold medal. And you become so fixated on that that path, which is amazing. You know, like I mean, wrestlers are some of the toughest people I know, mm-hmm. where they just a day in and day out they go through that grind. And we talk about that on the Nathan Nathan's podcast, you know. But at the same time, you have to understand what you're doing to your body. And there has to be a balance. You have to be smart. And this let me let me be honest here. I err on the side of not taking care of my body. I really don't. And my wife is on me all the time. So I mean you got you gotta cool out and, and the physical therapists are academy. Especially as you turn older. And Kane Velasquez is not a spring chicken anymore. You have to understand how to keep your body functional, still pushing it, still keeping it real, mm-hmm. but listen to your body or very often, you know, do your maintenance work. Um, 
the one thing I also noticed about Payne Velasquez is not just that, but originally his weight training routine was more damaging to his body than anything else. I, I, I saw part of the, the new um, uh, countdown thing that they had for ESPN for this fight, and he has a different trainer now, and he was doing some things that were more intelligent. But I think the damage is done, that he, he destroyed his knee in doing weight training that was really – and I'm not a weight training expert. I can look what he was doing and say that was terrible, that was actually harming his body mm-hmm. because a lot of fighters, you know, they want to push, they want to push, but they're not scientific. And you have to have days on, days off, hard days and weekdays. You have to balance. That doesn't mean you don't come to the gym. You know, I ask my fighters to come to the gym some six days a week, but we don't go hard every day. Some days, like today, I just came from the academy, and it was an all-drilling day. It was a pretty light, very technical drilling day where we're just focusing on technique. And I would say that's a good portion of the class didn't really break that much of a sweat, but it was an intelligent training session where we got a lot done, but the taxing element of your body was much lower. Mm. So that's important that we use cycle um, between that. And, and whether you're uh, an MMA fighter or just a recreational martial artist, and it doesn't matter what, what, what martial art you're doing, taekwondo, karate, if you are not understanding your body, pushing it, but also pulling back and alternating days and being careful – Man, that you're not going to last, which is why in judo, and I love judo. In my heart of hearts, I, I just love the, everything about judo, um, uh, the way it, it talks about personal betterment and all these things. But most judo guys outside of Japan um, are not training in their older age. They're just not. They can't. Their body's too destroyed. Their knees are done. There's so many exodus. Exodus. So many judo guys I know who went to Brazilian jiu-jitsu because <laughs> the uh, judo is so hard in their bodies. Like I, I still want to grapple, but you know I just can't. I can't do throws anymore because it's just killing me. Because mm-hmm. you destroyed your body so much for so many years, mm-hmm. and uh, that's Cain Velasquez right there. And you know he he fought very poorly, but I think the real root of it was his knee. Like, I mean, you made a joke, and that's hilarious that the, the, the knee won the fight. And you're right. You're absolutely right. That's my take on that fight. It was it was extremely sad and disappointing, you know, uh, to see. And I don't think he should fight again. I really, uh, I don't think he should fight again. You know, unless unless he gets, you know, some serious doctor clearance, maybe yeah. re, re, total reconstruction of the knee. But depending He's 36 on years old, and <sighs> recovery from this is going to take a whole... You know, that brings me, though, though it's interesting because there's so many interesting um, uh, develop, medical developments. I just read this thing where these guys are creating new, um, they're like cyborg implants for the guy's spine. So they're recreating. So maybe there's something out there for a knee, too. You know? Why? Yeah. Where can you get some of those? I know. And stem cells and all the things. You know, who knows what they could do? Maybe they can fix it. But certainly, the way it was yesterday, can't fight like that. Because he didn't want to go out that way, obviously. Nobody wants to go out that way. But it seems like he pushed himself so hard to get ready for this fight. And it was probably going to be one of his last fights, if not his last fight. Oh, you think so? You think that was in I his I do head? think he would, probably yeah. was going to walk away if he got a, the win and just go walk away and be on top. But now he's lost in such a weird way that he almost has to come back for his pride, maybe. Because it feels like he pushed himself really hard. When he didn't need to because he wanted to just have this be maybe his last hurrah or something. But now it's like. Well, you know, yeah. he's a, he, is, he is a warrior. I mean, that guy is mentally very tough. And I, I, that's one of the reasons I really respect him. There's some things that, uh, that he does technically that I, I don't agree with. But um, I have so much respect for this guy. 
and because uh, he's such a hard worker. Yeah, you know, he's not a talent guy. He's not. He's, he was not. He's the guy, the first guy in, the last guy to leave in the gym. He's not a talent guy, and he pushed himself to the pinnacle of the sport by hard work alone. And the same thing in wrestling too. But um, you know, I think guys like that are driven to to win, to to win, to on that road to to get that gold, to get mm-hmm. that belt. We didn't and, make uh, yeah. any picks for this fight. Did you have Velasquez winning? You know, I. I was I was emotionally leaning towards I wanted Velasquez to win really badly, but um, I said which shows up if if Velasquez healed and going going you know 100 percent is 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 there this is gonna this is a fight mm-hmm. and he has great takedowns and and obviously um, Nangano has trouble with takedown fighters although he did dispatch um, Curtis Blades uh, in the last fight so you know Nangano's he's in there he's in there he's obviously learned from his crushing defeats um and come back stronger so Mm -hmm. that was a fight it was a you know type to call and a very hard fight to call yeah what's what do we what do we how do we fix the heavyweight division i mean 30 seconds or less (laughs) call dana white how do we fix it okay this is this is the thing um what i what the one of the reasons that we're not talking about for the heavyweight division being poor is the plethora of MMA shows out there that draw talent. So, uh, you know, what I would say to Dana White is do what he's doing with 1FC with some of the more, the, the promotions across the world. Really reach out to the Russians, to, to, to other promotions where, you know, scout. He has to scout. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he's trying, he tried to scout, he tried to scout a French fighter, but that guy was terrible. I forgot his name, but he was just so bad. Jacques, I think. <laughs> Pepe Le <Lepin. laughs> <laughs> well, you know, his technique was, he Jerry was so Lewis. bad. Jerry Lewis. Yeah, Jerry <laughs> Lewis. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that. Nobody <laughs> Come on. Jerry Lewis. We have a, a, a mature uh, listening base. I don't know. I, you know, I actually got a, a, a message from a couple people uh, com- commenting on the on the, the podcast and and really um, uh, really saying that we they enjoy our podcast, so I'm very happy. So Thanks, uh, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> and no, Renee's my mom, mom. My mom does not listen no. to this. My mom hates My mom name. doesn't listen to <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, but uh, I would say scouting is the answer, okay. and and I think you know um, in house talent development. Uh, see, this is K one K one kickboxing. You very you know K one mm-hmm. from Japan, right? Okay, so they had a stable of heavyweight kickboxers, and one of the reasons they had a really nice stable for a while. They went down because of corruption and a lot of other things, but really they had a really good model. Is what they did was this, and with ESPN, I think it's a good good model. It's um, they got a bunch of fighters from the Kyokushin world, from the Muay Thai world, from this, from the Dutch Muay Thai world, blah blah blah, and they had a lot of in-house development, and they paid them to train all the time. Mm-hmm. They said, "Look, for this amount of time, all you're going to do is train." And I was involved with one guy getting ready to fight in um, in an Asian promotion, and I know they paid him a thirty thousand dollar salary per year, which doesn't sound like a lot of money. But um, he, w- with his seminars and his other things, like you know, he was pulling it like thirty thousand dollars is like you, you know, live you can, off you, that. You can yeah. live off that, right? Exactly. So they paid him thirty thousand dollars per year in addition to a fight purse. So um, he had a thirty thousand uh, dollar salary plus whatever the fight purse was for per fight, you know, ten thousand dollars, and he would minimum two fights a year. 
So you're talking, if you got $10,000 for two fights, that's $50,000 a year. Hey, that's not a bad living. And you don't also, like, you don't have to worry if you lose the fight, instead of getting 10, you get five, and then you can't pay your bills or something like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of fighters are in that conundrum where they, they have to have, like, Stipe has an extra job. He's a, he's a firefighter. I think he does it partially now out of enjoyment, but also it's a stable position. It's good. You know, it gives a guaranteed income. We can have time to train. Alec Kinta is a realtor. Real, I don't think he is anymore. I think he stopped. He still got his realtor's license. I think he's definitely focusing more on the fighting since yeah, I mean, he might have more. his license, but he used to, he used to actually like like really he's go to work all the time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. I don't think he does anymore. But, but yeah, anyway, you got you got to no, hustle. Could, you got to hustle, right? Exactly. I mean, your point is taken, right? Mm. But uh, and and so I don't know that I don't know you know Al better than I do, but um, yeah, I, I know him personally. Yeah, when you had you were name drop name. Oh yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, uh, but, but yeah, the the point is, yeah. I would say get twenty guys, give them a salary for two years. And all they do seven days a week is train yeah. and bring, make them have their debut. And in two years, you'll you'll have 10, 10 more really top guys in the heavyweight division. How many years? Two years. About give them two oh, years. Okay. You know, I like guys who, you, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I can't give them um, uh, two years. Sorry, I might have said ten. Two years where you all you do is train six days a week yeah. or whatever. Push them and and guys who have already a martial art background. You know, yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they take them from one style. Like um, like you could take uh, heavyweights um, from jiu jitsu community from the wrestling community. I would say scout from wrestling community and uh, and then you know make the next Daniel Cormier. Uh, what what if we just uh, got McGregor to eat a lot of food? And, and, and fight at heavyweight, <laughs> or uh, could John Jones be the savior of the heavyweight division? No, you know because he could move up. He could, he could. You know, um, I don't know. You know, I don't know the answer to the question. Uh, I would say, but so it, they it, need me to suit up because I'll suit up. <laughs> I took a month of classes. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I only made it through uh, three weeks of striking, but I'm ready. You're ready. You're ready. To go. Yeah. You know. You know. I had a, had a guy come into our academy recently, and and uh, and he was like, "Yes, I'm an expert in Israeli." survival jiu-jitsu and i'm a krav maga instructor and he was uh he, he said he wanted to fight in a month you know or something and he was talking about this and i said okay well you have to do jiu-jitsu he's like i'm already an expert in jiu-jitsu and he came sure. in i had him fight my white belts and uh and we never hurt anybody in our academy who comes in we never do that but you but. know <laughs> but he said he said he was an expert so i put him against my white belts and some of my more senior white belts even one blue belt and it was about an hour he tapped it was over a hundred times, and mm-hmm. and we we you know it was not a good look for him. He mm-hmm. didn't really know what he was doing. So you know, there's some people who are completely delusional like that that they think they can fight. And uh, yeah, but I had three weeks of training. Sometimes, sometimes it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was entertained though though I had to I had to you know tell him that you know I feel that you were completely delusional yeah. in your fight skills, and he didn't didn't really like that. Um, but you're, you know, you're supposed he, to just tell people you're great, and then cash the check. Yeah, right, exactly, right. Yeah, cuz that's that's all. That's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. No, there's a lot of integrity no. at right. No, I know. You have to and I said, you know, you really don't know anything. And also, you know, he was teaching and I said, "Look, dude, you you can't you can't teach cuz you don't really know anything." You mm-hmm. know, uh, whatever. Anyway, so but, you know, there are a lot of people delusional and to go in MMA and it's funny cuz the, the low lower level MMA, you you can see this because the promoters, like I said, there's a lot of shows out there now. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I always see MMA as an experiment in what works, but it's becoming something different now. It's becoming um, like Tough Mudder. You know what Tough Mudder is? Mm-hmm. That race where, mm-hmm. you know, Tough Mudder, the original idea was the SAS put you through this course and it was a training modality for the elite special forces of England or whatever, right? But now it's like this thing that people do to say they did it and feel like they have an achievement. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the low levels I made, the level skill is extremely 
weak in some promotions. It's extremely weak. And you're like, well, those people should not be fighting. And, and yet the promoters have no qualms about putting them in the ring. It's sort of like a, a thing people do. And the level at the lower levels, like um, it's like I would say it's like a pyramid. And the top, the pinnacle of the pyramid, the people are amazing. Like John Jones, Daniel Cormier, T.J. Dillashaw, Kenry Cejudo, Cody Garbrandt. Uh, uh, obviously that Irish dude who I can't stand. What's his name again? <laughs> Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Jerry Lewis, Conor McGregor, um, <laughs> Khabib, you know, Tyron Woodley. All the, the peak of the pyramid is extraordinarily skilled. And they are really pushing the envelope where martial arts is. But the base of the pyramid is wide. That's where and, I am. And yes, you are at, at the, the base, base of the pyramid, the pyramid. yes. And, and, <laughs> and, and extremely unskilled and and it's sometimes at the lower levels it's 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 time for regulation because i i feel there's some danger there mm-hmm. you know and and for people who are training you know and you have aspirations of going into the cage you have to have a serious under uh, evaluation of your skills are you you know are, are you deluding yourself or not you know you have to you have to really stop and think because people can get hurt all the time you know so that's my take on that um I want to pivot to some other other fights that happened. Um, the Nagano fight was was a real interesting fight. Did you um, watch the other fights? On I did. Time? I watched the other fights. Um, uh, the Paul Vic versus Felder was actually a really interesting fight, and um, that was last night. It was great because let me tell you something. So um, a lot of people. This is a really interesting fight, and this is the only one I want to talk about. Of that, that there's some other good fights in it, but this is really interesting because you have James Vic who has. A very very strong reach advantage, and in striking, the concept is the longer the reach, the better. And you can see over MMA time that um, there's an element of fighters having longer reach, having more success, kind of a little bit of lankier body body mm-hmm. type, because of the 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 more emphasis placed on striking, understanding, and in because the rules, the way the stand ups are, and it's just easier to learn striking somewhat than it is to learn the grappling game, the ground game. So you see a little bit more emphasis on striking. So you saw guys like John Jones, um, like um, uh, uh, T.J. Elshaw, who have long arms even for their frame. So they have a tremendous amount of reach, mm-hmm. and and that that you can say that a lot of the guys, Conor McGregor too, he's 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 got long arms, and you see that people are having that success. And Felder, who's an old school boxer, really old school boxing trained, um, has much much shorter reach. So how is he going to overcome this reach disadvantage? And it was really interesting to see how he did it. And you can see he was really skilled. And he ran a clinic on 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 Vic and really took a hard fight. And Vic is no slouch, but he used a lot of angle movement, old school boxing movement, angling, putting, and spinning techniques. So I really, really enjoy that. I'm, I'm a fan of spinning techniques when they're when they're done properly for the right time and place. They can be really good. And he used a spinning elbow and a spinning back kick to really mm-hmm. overcome the reach to spin in as the guy was punching. Come back and spin him, elbow him, elbow him like three times in the face. I was like, wow, that is that is a really good answer Smart. to that to that question. And um, you know, um, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. And um, the other fight the other night was Crone Gracie making his UFC debut, which was a yeah, big deal. Gracie the jiu-jitsu community is all like, yay, Crone won. <laughs> but, um, and Crone looked great in his jiu-jitsu. He took the guy down and choked like, him out. That's Alex, right? Alex Caceres, you know, yeah. Bruce Leroy. And again, uh, um, it's, it's, it's an issue of reach, but Crone managed to get in. He threw some punches too, but, uh, and his striking has improved, but he's still very green and he's got to stay in the lower level of the pool before he he reminds me of an early Damian Maya and he can go he can go to some places you'd be surprised 
that guy, he reminds me early Damian Maya. The minute it goes to the ground, he's so far and ahead above mm-hmm. everybody else that he has a very strong chance of, of finishing. But if he can't take the guy down, he is going to eat or You know, Brian Ortega had that with um, with Holloway the other day. If you can't bring it to grappling, they 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 lose in the in the striking department. That being said, you know Brian Ortega has you know obviously improved a lot, and it, I hope Cohen Gracie does too. But he's very herky jerky and um, a little stiff. Though you know he was much better than when he was in in Japan, so it's nice to see him him succeed uh, and uh, and do well. It was the exact same. Speaking of Damian Maya, um, Damian Maya had a great win over. Um, a New York a New York fighter, an old school New York fighter. He's from the uh, the Tiger Showman camp, um, which was Lyman Good, and Lyman Good looks like a superhero. I mean, the guy is just enormous, and Damian Maya was dwarfed by him. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I've been, been critical of Damian Maya before, uh, but this was a, a maestro performance. He shot in, took him down, and let me tell you, in this fight, Damian Maya's hips were in. They were glued to the guy. Oh. The guy almost got up. He got in got in on him again and then took his back. And the Damian Maya fight and the, the Crone Gracie fight kind of played out the same way. Got on the guy's back, yeah. kind of tipped him over from back take, and then just finished the finished the you must choke. be listening to the show. He's taking your notes. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, I, I was really impressed at, with him, and he, he did, he did amazing. And um, but then again, his striking is is weak. You know, it's the thing about jujitsu guys. The the issue is with MMA. We always talk about this. We talk about this in other podcasts. Is it generalist or are you specific? You know, uh, or a spe- uh, uh, more specific fighter that goes to MMA, right? So. Are people should people start off doing MMA from day one and be kind of a jack of all trades and be a journalist, or should they be, you know, okay, I get reach the pinnacle of wrestling, I reach the pinnacle of jujitsu, I reach the pinnacle of this, and then I go to MMA. Well, you know, at this point, the jury's not out on which is better. You can see that if you're significantly better in one element, very often at the the low mid levels, you can you can do quite well. Um, However, you need you do need to be well well rounded. So I don't I don't again that that question is not answered yet. But Crone Gracie showed that hey I can push my jiu-jitsu on you and there's nothing you can do about it. And Damien Maya did that too to to a guy who is much stronger. I mean it's it's the the, the thing that martial arts always says this little guy beating the big guy and and Damien Maya versus Limegood was really like kind of like David versus Goliath, and that he just got on his back and choked him out like it was nothing. It was does pretty damn impressive uh, for both of those fighters. So. Um, you know that that's kind of what's what's been going yeah, on lately. And uh, um, there was the Sinsau Marias uh, fight, which was very very interesting, and uh, that was that was also on the Damian My card. And um, and Marias um, uh, had a really nice guillotine to finish that fight, and it's nice to see him come back and and be be a real threat at that division. The that that whole card was one thing I noticed is that. You had a lot of grapplers who were well-rounded grapplers. Now they start out as a grappler, as as a, 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 spe- a, spe- a specific fighter, you know, specific discipline, single style discipline. But they managed to get into the MMA world. And Marias originally is, you know, a jiu-jitsu guy, but um, he's extremely, extremely skilled boxer now, mm-hmm. and very well-rounded. So I think whether you're talking about old school Damian or new Crone, is that's the path for them, where. Like some of those fighters in that Cincinnati Almaraz card, they're, they're the younger ones up and coming. You saw a lot of grapplers who were well-rounded, great takedowns, great striking. They did start a single discipline, but they made that transition to MMA to the to to the to to, to being well-rounded very well. And um, 
So I think that's that's should you start out doing everything at once or you start out as a specific as, as a as a specific style one style fighter unit style fighter. I don't know the jury's out on that one, but at some time at some level you do have to you do have to draw mm-hmm. in all those other skills. Yeah. Um, you just become too predictable. So um, it was it was nice to see that. So I think the success of hold on who are those fighters? There was um, uh, Aldo is back. He did really well. Um, um, uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, um, Oliveira. Oliveira is a great example of that. You know, Charles Oliveira is the, the number, uh, the largest number of taps in, in in the UFC, and he's he's kind of like this is what you should look like when you're um, when you're uh, when you're a jujitsu guy coming to MMA. You know, you 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 make sure that in every single discipline, whether it's wrestling, jujitsu, or striking, mm-hmm. that you are a threat, and um, and it's uh, that's the path for Crone going forward. You know, and I think for all of us, you know, like. I, I was just saying, and I, I sent you some of the questions that, that we've been sent. You know, what? Wh- how should you approach a street fight? You know, is MMA good for a street fight, or this or that? And you know, uh, uh, I want to I want to segue onto that topic a little bit. But um, you know, the most important thing is to have a variety of skills to for a variety of situations. You know. Yeah. Anyway, but speaking of which, yeah, You're so skipping we, ahead, yeah, all right. skipping ahead. Yeah. Let's uh, jump into some of the the listener Question questions. Times. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you have any questions you'd like to ask me, you know, feel where free. do babies come from? Where do be <laughs> the stork? Oh, cool. Got <laughs> some birds. Yeah, and also for our listeners, if anybody has any questions, feel free to, to to message us on the Martial Ultra Culture podcast page on Facebook, and you can send a question to me, and we got a few. And um, there and a couple places, personal questions that some students have asked me, uh, emailed me around the world because I have some students around the world who ask me advice and things like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, they asked me a bunch of questions and also a couple of ones I picked up that people keep asking uh, on, on, on forums and things like that, Me asking me on forums. There's no names associated with these questions. No, I'm going to no. make them up. Yes. Uh, Dave from Cincinnati says, uh, <laughs> Renee, what makes jujitsu hard? And I yeah. love that question. <laughs> It's a uh, very open-ended. What makes you? That's it. That's What's a great a, question, Dave. Yeah. Dave. Thanks, Dave, Dave from, from Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> Hang up and uh, listen to the answer. So, um, what makes jujitsu hard? I and mean, in this case, we're talking specifically Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I believe his question was. Um, there are many styles of jiu-jitsu, and um, uh, when we're talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, what makes it hard is also what makes it great. One of my old uh, coaches, Chad um, Brothers, uh, said. When, when it's when you do the sparring is when you get the magic. Um, there's no way you can bullshit yourself. You either tapped or you didn't, and that is a hard pill to swallow because you have to eat your your loss, go home, think about it, and eat reality every single day. Where you don't have to do that with other martial arts that mm-hmm. much because. You know, in striking, you're mostly doing pad work or bag work. And, yeah, you spar and you can have a bad day. But, you know, one day a week you're sparring. In jiu-jitsu class, you're sparring at some level, whether it's light or hard, at some level every day. And and so when you lose, you there's no under, there's no team behind you. Oh, it's, it's, it, you know, over the, the guard, the, the um, point guard over there messed up. That's why we lost the basketball game. No, no, no. Yeah, it's Michael you. Michael Jordan. Screw yeah. up everything. And, <laughs> and, you know, jiu-jitsu is very intimate simulated murder so there's a guy <laughs> no there's a guy on top of you with all his weight dripping his sweat in your eye who might not have the best body odor putting his arm around your neck and constricting your carotid arteries until you pass unconscious that does not sound That's easy not fun yeah so i would say the question is first and foremost it's real 
Yeah. Second, it is based, like we really think about it, it's based on leverage. So um, the, the higher levels of jiu-jitsu can be a new vocabulary for people because you're used to walking on your feet and punching things if in terms of like human beings punch like we don't have to be taught to punch baby comes out within 10 seconds they're born they're making a fist yeah. no no because you can't hit a, them back either you can't, yeah you know, you know there's laws <laughs> don't start so, a fight you can't so, finish so <laughs> so okay second here so um you know genetically you're primed to understand punching mm. but you're not genetically primed to understand a triangle choke or, you know, Yetzkevich uh, uh, armbar. There, there's a, a lot of technical movements that you have mm-hmm. to train your body to do. You have to learn to walk again. You have to learn the vocabulary of, ju- of how to move in jiu-jitsu, how to, how to do this, how to do that. And, um, and so my second reason, one, it's real. Two, you have to relearn how to walk again. Like, you don't remember what it's like, Matt, to walk, to learn from to crawling to walk. And that was hard when you were two years old. But of course, you don't remember it. Jiu-jitsu, you're learning how to walk in because it's a complete, very different vocabulary of body movements that you've probably never done, um, with, unless you come from wrestling or you come from judo. And again, it's those those grappling based movements that that are new vocabulary. The third reason I would say is, um, um, you know, it's it's I don't know how to put this. Um, uh, it can be um, it can be daunting because okay like this striking is in on your feet so you don't strike with your head on the floor mm-hmm. so it's in one dimension of movement where in grappling not just jujitsu but any grappling you're in every single angle three hundred sixty degrees in a in a sphere so every movement so you have to develop this internal gyroscope. To understand how to fight in almost any position. So think, imagine if you were fighting in space with no gravity. Oh, my God. Yeah, or, or in the Scare. water, right? Because you just kind of like that, where you're like upside down, rolling around like cats, you know? Uh, <laughs> so so you have to be able to fight from on your back. You have to be cats able to fight. Cats in space. Yeah, cats in space. Cats in space. Cats in space. Pigs in space, Pigs in space, yes. We're dating ourselves again. <laughs> we are dating ourselves. Jerry Lewis and pigs in space. <laughs> um, but it's, it's those three reasons. One, it's real. It's freaking real. Second is you have to develop this new vocabulary movement. And third, it's fighting in every possible – grappling is fighting in every possible angle of human movement, mm-hmm. whether you're staying on your feet, on your knees, on your back, rolling, and, and constantly adjusting. Um, so I would say the, the, the natural follow-up question is how do you deal with that being hard? Well, you take it step by step. First, you have to control your ego. That's number one. And that's how you say, okay – I lost today. I'm going to analyze that loss, take it, learn from it, not get like all bent out of shape, and, and I'm going to be a scientist about it, and I'm going to come back and try and do better tomorrow. And you put your ego away, and you just eat your losses mm-hmm. and learn from them, like any real high-level sportsman. But that's hard. That is easy. It's not easy to say, but it's hard to do. Yeah. The second, when you're learning this vocabulary, um, have your instructor or, you know, if you're training with someone, you, you know, find, find – um, Find a way to understand the different vocabularies of movement or what kind of movements you need. And I highly suggest movement training. Everybody makes fun of Conor McGregor for hiring a movement coach, but that is a really smart thing to, <laughs> to, to you know, to, yeah. If people can see that, yeah. he, he did yeah. a little dance when he said yeah, movement little, coach. Yes, uh, I always do my little dance. <laughs> but um, finding, understanding how to move and do a lot of solo yeah. work, 
with different movements, if people don't understand on, on uh, if you type in uh, Ra- Rene Dreyfus Radical MMA and uh, MMA Movement Drills, there's a Howcast video where I show all the fundamental movements that you can practice on your own to to kind of uh, develop your grappling vocabulary of movement, right? Mm-hmm. And the third one is the 360 do- movement. Again, a th- it's fighting in 360 degree angles. Chain submissions together that take you in interesting angles. And this is a little bit more advanced, but kind of try to be uncomfortable in 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 not scrambling but moving around in in circular sphere like motions right and and that i would say like that judo and any any grappling art will help you like that but basically transition from standing to ground to a single the guy on the bottom gets a single you get taken out constantly make transitions in angles mm-hmm. and and you'll find yourself much more comfortable in those zones so those are those are that's what makes jiu jitsu or any grappling hard but particularly you know, in jiu-jitsu, as I said, it's simulating murder, so you have to control your ego and not spaz out. The most important thing for any beginner is not to spaz out yeah. and tone down the use of your strength. Use movement, understanding of correct, the, the movement vocabulary, and transitions, and focus on control. And break down the base positions of, of where you want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's 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 what I recommend for every jiu-jitsu fighter out there. All right. That's what makes jiu-jitsu hard. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, what makes jiu-jitsu hard is uh, I don't like having bare feet. So I just don't want to fight on a mat with bare feet. Well, you know, you could always wear wrestling shoes. All right. I have no excuse anymore. <laughs> i got to start taking <laughs> I'll classes. I'll see you tomorrow class. All right. I'll see. <laughs> 8, 8 a.m., right? All right. What do we got next? Uh, ooh. Connie from, uh, I don't know. Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo <laughs> says, uh, what's the best martial art to learn for street fights? Okay, yes. And that's one of the ones I was really hoping you pick. Okay, so let's pick a, a – in your mind, Matt, imagine a street fight. Imagine a street fight. I'm thinking about Streets of Rage, that game. Streets, yeah, street, I don't know what that is. What is that? Is it like a brawler game where you side-scroll oh, and you oh, punch people. Oh, okay, okay. So – Explain to me the situation you're imagining right now. Uh, there's a guy. He's got a jean jacket on, uh, cut off sleeves. He's walking down the street. He's got a bandana. And there's street toughs walking towards him. They kidnap his girlfriend and they run away. And then uh, a whole bunch of other guys come out and they just stand there. There's like five guys standing in front of him. And uh, it's just streets of rage. This is rage. Okay. That's actually really interesting. Okay. That was very creative. You, you, should, you think you have a career as a writer. Nice. But, okay. So you create a scenario. Yeah. Now I'm going to create a scenario. Okay, um, it's a girl walking home, and a guy jumps her from behind and tries to assault her. Or I create another scenario. Guess this: this is not one you're going to think. You're eight years old, and you go to confession, and the sleazy priest molests you. That's self defense, and that's mm-hmm. no joke. I'm not joking here. But yeah. you can you can create all types of scenarios of self defense. That was in the sequel to Suits of Rage. <laughs> Priests of <laughs> I'll edit that part out. <laughs> But it is it's a it's, it's a legit, real life situation. Exactly, real life. And so when you say self defense, most guys and most martial art teachers think from a male perspective. Number one. They think from adult male perspective. And what mm-hmm. they're thinking of is not necessarily just self defense. They're thinking ego defense. You're in a bar, a guy cops you, says some shit, you know, motherfucker, you did it, and they take a swing at you, and then you're in it. And that's definitely one pattern. But Actually, not so common statistically compared to actual crime statistics, you mm-hmm. know, actual crime data. The most common assault pattern by far is male on female violence, sexual and, and, and also uh, domestic as well. 
So that's number one. So if you're, what what do we when we say what's the best martial art for street self defense? What do we what what are we talking about here? I would say the best martial art for a women's sexual assault defense. Number one, no question, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. No question. There's there's no question about it. the number one martial art for fighting two guys at once. Run. <laughs> now, if you can't run, take out a weapon. Take out sure. a freaking weapon. You know. Now, then the next, the next one. What if you're fighting a guy with weapon? What are you fighting a guy with a weapon? Who's a knife? One guy with a knife versus unarmed. Now, unarmed. You know, movement boxing. Okay, great, great to keep it standing and not armed. You got to clinch that knife up right away. You got to stand up Greco-Roman controls and with an understanding of knife, knife, knife. You know, weapon management. I'd say you know specifically a combination of. Jiu-Jitsu and, and stand-up Greco-Roman controls. Unfortunately, a pioneer in that field, this is very something I want to talk about in another podcast, but there's a, a guy named Carl Tanswell. He unfortunately just took his own life, but he um, is one of Conor McGregor's, uh, si- related to the Conor McGregor world. He's in SBG Manchester. He was a, a pioneer, first black belt, Brazilian just black belt in, um, in England, and his knife defense was called stab stab uh, obviously why mm-hmm. and uh but it was a fantastic real world practical unarmed versus uh arm knife defense system which is based on jiu-jitsu and greco-roman holds and a uh, great great system so if you're fighting a guy you want to do that okay um there's no one system for self-defense none because there's what self-defense how are we defining this you know like so what is the most important thing for self-defense generally speaking Adaptability. First, awareness. First, focus and awareness. Know your surroundings. Don't get ambushed. Boom. Done. Focus, awareness, avoidance. Number one, the self-preservation. Getting out of the situation before it happens. But assuming you're in the situation, adaptability. Understanding that it could be whatever circumstance. You could be fighting a guy unarmed, and then he pulls a pulls a knife. This happened recently. There was a shooting on the seven train here in New York City. Seven trains a a, a very commonly ridden train that ride goes from Queens to Manhattan. There's two gang members, and they're wrestling. The video is out. Um, I'm not going to post it because it, it it's kind of I think it sensationalizes it, but. Um, it's a very serious two gang members got into. They got into a, a, a scuffle, and they're wrestling each other, wrestling each other. They break off, and one guy pulls out a gun and shoots the guy and, and, and kills, kills, kills him, um, shoots him in the back of the head. So it's funny that they thought they were an unarmed. As I understand it, it started unarmed. But then the gun was introduced, mm. and that can happen. You could think you're in an unarmed uh, uh, scenario, and then suddenly you're not, you know, fighting a guy with a weapon. So adaptive, or you think you're fighting one guy and you're fighting two, or whatever. Or you, you, you know, you never know. So adaptability is really, really important. It comes back to to Bruce Lee, where you want to get rid of the definitions of, you know, I'm a karate guy, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, I'm a kung fu guy. I'm, no, fighting's fighting. So have a game. In all ranges of combat and all be well rounded at, at some level, it's important to be well rounded. And it comes back to what we're saying about MMA. Do we want to be a generalist or, or a, a specific styles first? I don't know, but eventually you want to make that jump to being well rounded. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the persons who, who messaged me is a wonderful guy. He made, said some great, great things about the podcast. He was saying that he's doing uh, uh, more striking arts, I believe it's like kind of kickboxing, taekwondo kind of thing. Um, and that's great. And, and that's, a, you know, maybe a kickboxing, a great place to start. Muay Thai is a great place to start, whatever, wrestling, jujitsu. But at some level, you have to make a jump to 
the other side of the pond. If you're a grappler, you have to put in striking. If you're striking, you have to put in some grappling. You have to be adaptable. And wherever the fight goes, whether it's ground, whether it's stand-up clinch, which is extremely common in self-defense, the, the, the people think, oh, I'm going to learn boxing, learn how to defend myself. Great. But if you don't know, understand how to clinch and fight in the clinch, you can't maintain that boxing distance. You'll never punch it. And clinch, fights go to clinch extremely fast. Whether it's one-on-one, two-on-one, whatever. Clinch is huge. So if you don't understand how to understand how to do that grappling, stand-up grappling clinch, you're going to go to the ground and get your head stomped in. If you don't understand that grappling clinch, you can't make distance and punch the guy. So at some level, you have to understand all the ranges of stand-up combat and then eventually also include the ground ranges and the transitional ranges, you know, from, from ground to standing up, how to do that without getting hit. And that's, a, that's day one Brazilian jiu-jitsu is how to stand up or I should say Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because now sport is different, but in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is how to stand up out of an altercation without getting hit and disengage. You know, like very, very important skill. So adaptability is the most important uh, um, skill for self-defense. And the guys who are MMA, they're still not completely adaptable. Hey, let's take out the knife and and train knife self-defense. You know, MMA is a great place to start. But it's not the end and end game. You know, the end game is well. I mean, it depends how you define MMA. But I'm talking about like unarmed combat only. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't define MMA that way. I think mixed martial arts really means mixed martial arts, which means you mix everything. You know, I don't. Uh, but mm-hmm. when we say MMA, we that's yeah, how generally. we do. It. Yeah. So okay, so that's my answer to that question. So my answer would be uh, yeah. track and field. Track and field, absolutely. And that is, you know, you're joking, but that is the best answer right there. Yeah. Awareness and run, you know, if you can avoid and get, get out of, yeah, don't get into a fight. And also, you know what? The number, great thing is stay away. The best advice I've, I've that people give, all the self-defense experts, first of all, stay away from areas where there's drunk people and don't get drunk. You know, great, mm-hmm. great. That's And that's guy and girl. It has nothing to do with gender. Mm-hmm. Stay away from drunk places where people get drunk. And don't get drunk yourself. Instead of going to the rowdy bar in the corner, go to a nice little wine bar, have a sip of wine, and keep it at that. You yeah. know, and it's also good go to not church. To, you know, nobody. Yeah, 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 I mean, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know. Uh, anyway, but you can never, yeah. you can never, you can never. Predict if you're not what in the situation, right. then there won't be a situation. Right, right. But you can never predict. And there's, you know, yeah. unfortunately, in that shooting in the seven train, one of my students was actually in the car oh near where that happened. And thank God she was aware enough to duck because the guy shot the gun like seven times. And the bullets everywhere. So you never know. You could be commuting to yeah. work and there could be a shot, particularly here in New York, but anywhere. You know, um, in L.A., my, my a friend who lives in L.A., and he this is not as much now, but it used to be, that road raid incidents that involved— the Streets of rage. Yeah, yeah, involved, and, uh, involved uh, you know, violence yeah. were very common. And we, was it on the podcast we talked about Jack Nicholson and his road rage incident? I don't know. Yeah, don't yeah. Know he picked up. Uh, he, Jack Nicholson got into Roger and he picked up one of his golf clubs and attacked a guy. So you know, you know, you think you're not. You think oh, you're with the, uh, you sure. know, it's, you know, in Beverly Hills and you're isolated or was inoculated it, from violence. The movie uh, Falling Down with uh, Michael Douglas wasn't that L.A. <laughs> that was L.A. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy movie. That's a great movie. It's a, unfortunately, that's like uh, the. Anyway, never mind. Uh, we'll say it later. It's the politically used, that movie's used for political purposes. Oh, on, on, uh, I didn't on, uh, know that. More the right-wing end of the spectrum. We don't have no political affiliation here. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. You can speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> proud proud leftist right here, man. Uh, <laughs> we, we lost half our listening base right now. <laughs> we didn't want you anyway. Yeah, well, what Jilson said, you know, BGJ Heroes is the Fox News. <laughs> I think we lost a lot. Of oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, okay, one more question. Then we All can, right. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Connie, for that question. Yes. Uh, next question. Hang on. Oh, 
this is from uh, Carol. We got a lot of female listeners today. <laughs> Carol from uh, Dallas. She wants to know what is the what is something that almost nobody knows about self defense. Huh, that's a great question. I don't even know how to answer that. Okay, what is somebody that knows? Okay, uh, I will say this. Stump the martial artist. Training matters much less than mindset. Okay, um, I'm gonna you know hold on. Let me pull up this quote that uh, that uh, one of my friends. Have you do you know who Barry Eisler is? No. Um, he's a friend of mine, and he writes the John Rain books, which I highly recommend. They're very entertaining. Um, and this is his quote because he's actually a great, great martial artist. And he has a quote, uh, which I'm going to read right now. Just let me get it. Here you go. The two most important things to do for self-defense are not to take a martial arts class or get a gun, but to think like the opposition and know where you're most at risk. So I would say um, mindset is key. Understanding when you can be at risk, when you're vulnerable. Also, uh, mindset and, and, and thinking like you know the the the, the a predator where where are you vulnerable thinking that way putting yourself in that that critical mindset and the other thing is you could be the t- the best technician in the world and the japanese talk about this but if you don't have the sense of survival the 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 the, the need to sur- survive um then the will to survive none of that matters and you can see that in and there's see that in MMA sometimes guys just quit that they don't have the the fighting heart mm-hmm. and the other thing is this and this is, comes down to female self defense is that many times we live in in a society that has kind of put women down and made especially more traditional sides not just America but only so we kind of grind down people's self esteem and it's not just women either, you know, but, but I think it's a lot more common with them. But we, when you grind people's self-esteem down, sometimes they feel that they are not worth defending themselves. And this is an issue when I've taught women in my self-defense class. It's like you, especially women who are victims of domestic violence, is you have to believe you're worth defending yourself. And this also goes for guys who experience bullying at young ages is they carry around this lack of self-esteem. So they become, in Japanese, they have like this, this word, makeinu. It's like a beaten down dog. And then you just don't fight back. And you become, I think you know people who, who are like that, that they're, they're beaten down dog. And this is self-defense in the physical sense, but it can also be a verbal sense because abuse, verbal abuse, is just as pernicious as physical abuse in terms of what it does to your mind and what it does to, you, to, to your body, what it does to yourself, your sense of self. Self-defense has to say, start with understanding that you are, you are worth protecting. Interesting. You, you know, and, and, and I don't even want to, like, you know, so I had a great question, conversation with, with someone the other day. And it's like, let's, let's not call it self-defense. Let's call it um, self, uh, um, self-preservation. Uh, let's call it, you know, I forgot what the word he used was. But it was, um, it was really interesting. It was like, let's change, let's, let's change the way we talk about it. Not defense. Let's talk about, like, let's make a life worth living. And I would say self-defense starts like this. For we have a lot of brainwashing out there, not even just physical. Let's take on the mental life. There's a community. You're not Matt. You're not good enough unless you 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 know um, uh, use Rogaine. Do use <laughs> use Rogaine and add more hair. Or you're not good enough unless you lose, lose like twenty pounds and look like this guy. Or your girl. You're not good enough unless you look like this or buy these clothes. And it's our consumer society mm-hmm. that puts us down and says you can't be worthwhile unless you do this. 
And that's part of self-defense is not buying into that bullshit propaganda. And then if you're in an abusive relationship or an abusive space, like your boss, the guy's like, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, da, 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 da. you have to inoculate yourself from that negativity. Mm-hmm. And self-defense starts with there where you have a core of very hard self-esteem is I'm a worthwhile human being. I'm worthy of protecting myself and that mindset. And then, you know what? I'm going to fight like a fucking tiger if you'd mess with me, yeah. whether I know something or not. You know, my mom knows no martial arts whatsoever. But if somebody assaults her, man... 70 some years old man they're gonna they're in world for a world they're all in trouble because she is an old school you know Spanish Harlem killer <laughs> you wow. know she, and she believes in herself you know and uh, so maybe one of the, of the first parts of self-defense is self-worth self-worth yes exactly self-worth that's exactly what I mean you have to see your self-worth and that you are you are worth defending hmm. and a lot of people don't believe that about themselves you know especially if they've had a history of bullying or you know, some type of abuse, and that's male or female. You have to see right. that. So I would say that's two espens of mindset. One side is what Barry Eidsel says. Think when you're at risk. What, what, you know, think in the mindset of the predator, and the mindset is that. But the other one is you see yourself as worth protecting, and you have that killer mindset, and you are not going to do this to me. You know, um, so those are that's what I'd say with one well, thing that people don't believe. Think don't you're going to get a psychiatrist on retainer at Radical. No, you know, um, let me tell you that you, you're saying that, but it's absolutely true is that to step in the cage, you need to have your shit together. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to you need to make sure that you if you're going to be in the zone and you're going to be self-actualized as a martial artist, that means you're self-actualized as a person. Means you you did that internal work to overcome those those um, uh, negative self beliefs, you know, and that's I think why martial arts is 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 important. Now it can get out of hand, like we talked about that cultist episode. When I recommend people, that's I know a lot of people are talking about that. That was now. a great episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. It can get crazy and go crazy and can become true you know, believers. Martial, true believers, yeah, it can be like that world. But at some level, martial arts should be a, a role a. a, a, a path of self-improvement starting with you believe that you are self-worth yeah. and you you believe that you are worth defending and that's something i think a lot of martial arts instructors they don't teach um they teach the technique but maybe not the mindset mm-hmm. you know wow okay good stuff thank you well, um uh, we'll have a lot more questions in the future we have yeah, a lot to yeah. choose from the, the last thing i want to do is oh my you know, God. we have a oh, we, i'm scared you're pretty scared oh don't worry we have a product review and this is um this is one product that I really like, and we're talking about women's self defense, but not just women. But it is a it sprays mace or you know pepper spray. But you know, let me tell you that 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 a lot of times people talk about self defense and they say, oh, you know, I'll just carry a gun. But the problem with that is most guys when they attack you, ambush you. Most people when they attack you, they ambush mm-hmm. you. You're not ready. You don't have the gun in your hand, and that has been proven quite often uh, um, that when people. Um, Look at look at uh, look at that um, the movie uh, American Sniper. You see that movie American Sniper? Mm. So it was, it was about this guy named Chris Kyle, yeah. and he was like the the number one sniper in in the history of the the army or something, or Marine Corps or something. And then he got killed by another guy who was mentally uh, emotionally disturbed who had a gun. And they went to a range. He was trying to help him, and he was trying to be a good dude. And he went. They went to a range, and the guy picked up a gun and shot him. Now, if they both had guns and they both squared off, Chris Kyle would you know you know, shoot a dime off the guy's, you know, forehead. But that's not what happened. And that's how crime happens. Crime mm-hmm. happens when you don't expect it, when you're when you're vulnerable, when you're weak. So you don't have time to 
draw your weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, so the problem is if you if you even women have a lot of these, these uh, self defense tools. I of course always carry a self defense tool with me, but this one this pepper spray or mace spray thing is worn on your wrist, and I recommend it especially for joggers. So if you're jogging, you're focused on your run, especially in Central Park. It used to be all the time the women, female joggers were accosted. It became in the 70s and 80s when, when I was younger. You know, you just don't jog in Central Park. Now it's obviously much better. But still, there's there was a woman in Woodside, which is an area of Queens, who, who was uh, just unfortunately assaulted. So you're going, and she was, as I understand, going out for a run or something like that. Terrible. Wear this. It's instantly deployable. It goes because it's worn on your wrist, it's instantly deployable. It takes one pressure, and man, this is the thing I talked about on podcast. I tested it out. I burnt out my nostrils in my nose. <laughs> it's so a tiny little bit burnt out my nostrils, wow. my nose. This stuff is super powerful, and it's also a very hardy case. And I'm gonna post it. It's um, it's uh, I'm gonna post a link to this um wearable mace sprayer and I recommend this product if you can get you can't get it in New York unfortunately because they, they don't ship it to New York but what we can do is ship it to some of your friends in Jersey and have them send it over mm-hmm. but it's a great thing to wear on your wrist Are they, they're not like illegal in the yeah US. yeah pepper yeah. spray and mace are illegal to carry and you brought it to the studio I know uh, I did uh oh but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a special case because I'm a, I'm a tactical yeah I'm yeah, a tactical guy so, so please don't yeah. spray that in here we have shows coming in later We'd have to close the studio. We have to make a bet. And then, yeah, no, no kidding. No, this is this is no joke. This is actually no joke. It 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 uh, it is. I I have been pepper sprayed before as part of a, my yeah. self defense certifications, and um, this did they've upped the the level in this one. I little bit, and I I could not function for about three hours, and yeah. it was a tiny tiny bit. That's crazy. And it didn't even hit me in the face. What's the price point? What's it going to run? It was you? it was like uh, ten bucks. Really? Yeah, it was like no, something like that. I, I have to pull it up, but uh, so there's affordable options out there. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will post it on the um, on the on the page. But uh, um, this is this is my um, re- review of this uh, uh, wearable pepper spray tool, and it's great. And I recommend everybody can get a chance to get it. Get it, especially if you're a runner, mm-hmm. or um, or you're in any 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 area where you think so you might be uh, assaulted in, in, in unexpectedly. Like you live yeah. in, live in this world in 2019. Yeah, you should get one. I yeah. usually just duct tape uh, razor blades between my fingers. Liam Neeson style. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> compare me to Liam Neeson. <laughs> no, right. <'Cause> it's not, <laughs> no, but you know the movie where he fights the wolf. The like gray, I think yeah, the gray, the gray. Yeah, the gray, yeah. yeah. yeah disturbing how we we are, some people we respect show that they are. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, that's another one. Uh, we promise we will be back again next week. Uh, no more extended stays. We say that all the time. But hold you know, on. What do you think of John Jones and um, and uh, Smith? What's your take? It's your John Jones. It's your boy. That's no contest. John Jones. All yeah, day. yeah, for sure. But what you know? Um, uh, what round do you think? Two. Two. Maybe even one. Spinning back say, fist or yeah, spinning yeah. elbow or something. Huh. Oh, you want to bet? I'll, I'll, sure. I'll say it goes to the third. When is it? It's not for a while, right? In a week after, not a week, two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to take third? I'll take third or, or, or beyond. All right. I'll take first or second. Okay, first or second. Yeah, you're probably winning this and one. And it'll be a knockout. you probably win. Stop. Okay. okay, good. Cool. We're, yeah. And I get All to right. spray you. You get to spray. Sure. Yeah, I've never no, been sprayed. No, 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 no. My no, wife I won't never, sign off on I that. I would never do that to you. This is, it was so bad. This This product is really good. It's a really good product. All right. All right. Renee approved. Stamp. Official. Stamp of approval. Go pick it up. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we will see you back in seven days. Okay. Peace.